Father in heaven, we just thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you, Father, for one more day in the land of the living. Lord, we just want to come to you once again, Lord. Speak to our hearts. Prepare us, Lord. Prepare us. Yes, Lord, we have sung, what a friend we have in Jesus. Father, you, t- you told your disciples, you, you know, you're not going to call them servants anymore, but friends. Because they were with them, with him, all through those three and a half years. Even if they did forsake him and run away from him, you still, Father, asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? The way I love you. Peter, do you accept my friendship the way I accepted you as my friend? And Father, this morning, O Lord, I pray, Lord, you would experience you a little more. We'll draw even more closer to you. Father, speak to our hearts. Knit us together in love. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, so this morning, once again, we go to the Word. And we've been looking at at the life of the patriarchs, studying from the lives of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and the church of God in the wilderness. We need to understand that we are a called out people. Just like the Israelites were called out of Egypt from the house of bondage, from the, from the dominion of Pharaoh. And were called out to be his own special people. Separated from the world and unto God. And this was their destiny. We can uh, turn our Bibles this morning, if you will, to Exodus chapter 19 and verse 3 onwards. This, is, this was the destiny of the church in the wilderness. <clears throat> it says, Moses went up to God and the Lord called him, called to him from the mountain saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. You see that? God brought him to himself. And then he says, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all the people, for all the earth is mine. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests, and a holy nation. 
And these are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So, yesterday we were looking at that in the session during our uh, during our evening session last night, when the call of call of God was to the church that He has made us. Is not that He will make us. He has made us into a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Of course, this was the call to the entire nation of Israel, but we know that only uh, the tribe of Levi, uh, when the entire Israelites sinned against God um, by making a golden calf, the tribe of Levi was separated and they became the priesthood. But in the new covenant, you have in First Peter chapter 2, and verses 9 to 12, it says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, we know this very well, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You were once not a people, but now are the people of God. You have not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. And verse 11 says, Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. So, we are a called, called, out, called out people. We are a called out generation. We have been set apart to God. And we know that Israel failed to be uh, true representatives of God. And God in his mercy, um, in the new covenant, by breaking the middle wall of separation, he has made both Jews and Gentiles into one, and he has uh, begun to build a church, the ecclesia, and what Israel failed to be in the wilderness, God is, through the working of his Holy Spirit and through the power of his grace, is rotting for himself a special people who will truly uh, walk in the light, who will truly represent him on this world, who will abstain from anything which will draw them into the world and be a light to these, uh, to the to the nations and uh, to the world, especially during these dark times. So we learned from all our you know, previous sessions from our patriarchs and especially from um, the uh, the, the church in the wilderness. And we know the whole purpose of the ministry of the word of God is to prepare us. Uh, to prepare us to meet our maker. To prepare us to be a bride which is spotless, without, without spot, without blemish, without wrinkle. That God would present to himself a bride. Yeah. So we don't forget that big picture. We understand that, right? So when we look through the Bible and we study the patriarchs, we understand, uh, we want to understand those spiritual lessons which will prepare us during these, uh, especially during these days, uh, God has given us a time so that we can continuously meditate upon the word, change the way we think, that our minds will not be focused on earthly things but on heavenly things and we'll be prepared uh, to uh, be his bride and get our focus off this world and put our focus on God. So let's, yesterday we looked at um, Isaac, and Jacob and Rebecca and Esau. We looked at a few lessons last night, last uh, yesterday morning, and today we'll continue our study. And was uh, chapter 27 of Genesis, 
uh, last night, last yesterday we looked at chapter 26, where, um, sorry, 25, where um, Jacob, um, Esau sells his birthright. He despises his birthright and Jacob not deceives him, tricks him, if I, I would say. And because he's a guy who's really interested in spiritual things, we saw how uh, both Esau and Jacob chose their career paths. One was interested in the things of God and he chose to be at a place where uh, he would have more opportunities to understand the things of God. Right? And on the other hand, um, Esau was a cunning hunter and we, we saw the career trajectory that he chose for himself. Right? Uh, and we and, and we know that uh, the Bible says calls, calls Jacob the it's okay. Bible calls Jacob the what man? Yesterday we looked at him. He was the perfect man. Yeah, the complete man. And we understood why he was called a perfect man or a complete man. And today this morning we'll look at Genesis chapter 27. Let's read from verse 1 onwards. And it came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were also dim that he could not see, that he called Esau, his older brother, and said to him, my son, and he answered him, here I am. Okay, this is also the guy who says, I'm available. For what, Baba? For blessing without obedience. Okay, anyways, let us see what he wants to do. And then he said, behold, now I am old, uh, says Isaac, I do not know the day of my death. Now, therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver and your bow and go out to the field and hunt game for me. Then, who, then do what? Uh, verse 5, And make me savory food or tasty food such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless you And before I die. Now Rebekah was also listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son, and you know what she also does. So we have both Esau and Jacob running after the blessing. They want the blessing. Everybody is after the blessing over here. Now, this blessing, the, this particular word for blessing in the Hebrew is used, uh, is called barach, which essentially is a blessing which is a spiritual impartation. We need to understand blessing, the spiritual impartation is not for the flesh. Okay. If you look at most of the teaching, most of the teaching, Whatever blessing they're talking about or the, or the reigning that they're talking about is the reigning of the flesh, of the, of the old man. The blessing is not for the flesh. The blessing is not for the old man. The blessing is for the new man which has been recreated in the image of Christ. And that is the reason why it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you don't have to turn there, it says flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God, neither shall corruption inherit Incorruption. Okay, so the whole idea of blessing or barak, the word is the impartation, if you will, the impartation of the by the laying on of hands. That's exactly how a blessing happens in the old covenant, because that is one of the fundamental doctrines, right? The doctrine of laying on of hands. The spiritual blessings is not made on flesh. That is the reason why Paul tells Timothy, "Don't be hasty in the laying on of hands, and do not be partakers of other people's sin." 
Of course, he's talking about the laying on on of hands into ministry because that is a particular spiritual impartation. And here we have a man who say who's willing to impart spiritual blessings to the man of the flesh. Very careful. We need to understand these are these are spiritual truths. The blessing of God is not for the flesh. Flesh has only one. What do you say? Uh, one danda. Okay, if you want to call it. Crucify it. You can't deliver your flesh. You can't say in the name of Jesus, as we said, flesh, I bind you. You cannot bind the flesh. You have to crucify your flesh and that is what we need to do daily. Okay, We understood it in so many contexts. But this is a spiritual impartation. If you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 onwards, look at what it says. Uh, verse 22 onwards, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man. What is happening to the old man, it says, which is growing corrupt according to deceitful lusts. You see that? (laughs) What is happening to the old man, it is growing corrupt. Every day it is becoming increasingly corrupt. And that's exactly what is going to happen in these last days. You will have evil men and seducers or imposters who will grow worse and worse. They will be deceived and being deceived. Deceived. Okay, they'll be deceiving others and they will be deceived themselves. And that is what, that's what it says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22. The flesh or the old man here in this case, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And then, but what should you do? You should put off the old man and be renewed in the what? In the spirit of your mind. And verse 24 will say, and now put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, the blessing of God... Okay, is not for the flesh. And you have a man of the spirit, Isaac, okay, who loved Esau, whom God hated. And you know what, uh, what uh, David says, Lord, do I not love the people whom you love? And do I not, what, hate the people whom you hate? Okay, now, I don't want to debate about that. I don't want to say anything about that verse. We, maybe we'll, can, we can possibly meditate upon it later on. But God has a, is a God of intense feelings. He says, Jacob I have loved, Esau I have hated. Okay. So that means God, he's got enmity with the flesh. That's what it says. The flesh is contrary to the spirit and spirit is contrary to the flesh and they are enemies of one another. They are not friends. Okay, God resists the proud and gives grace to the grace to the humble and the flesh is one thing which puffs you up most of the time. And the blessing of God is not. And therefore we have a man, Isaac, a man of the spirit who is born of the spirit, who is a man who surrendered himself when he was 30 years on the cross, I mean literally on the altar, who had complete surrender, who reached that epitome in his life, had one area in his life which was weak, succumbed to that and now He was willing to what? Bless flesh. (laughs) Okay, because he's blind now. He's blinded. Isn't it interesting? If you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, please. If you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, powerful verse in Hebrews chapter 11. Okay. And verse, I will tell you the verse. Um, Verse 21. Verse 21, very powerful verse. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, was Jacob able to see? Now, Isaac was also not able to see. It says, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of who? Of Joseph. You see that? Each of the sons of Joseph. Who was that? 
Manasseh and Ephraim. And you know that story, right? When Manasseh is brought to the right hand of, of, of um, um, Jacob and uh, Ephraim is brought to the left hand of Jacob, he crosses his hands and he blesses Ephraim with the first blessing of the firstborn and Manasseh, the bless, I mean, he, he's, Okay, the blessing of the firstborn goes to Ephraim. So, uh, so God is not limited, right? We don't limit the, limit God, and He knows exactly what He's imparting there. Okay, the spiritual blessing, the spiritual blessing is therefore is of faith and is upon the spirit and not on the flesh. All right. So, if you turn with me to uh, Genesis chapter forty-nine. The question, therefore, is oh, sorry, not forty-nine. The question, therefore, is what is this blessing? And what is this spiritual impartation? If you turn, okay, again to Genesis chapter 14, not 49, 14 and verse 19. Look at what it says. Genesis chapter 14 and verse 19 and after that Hebrews 7, 7. And he blessed him, who is this Melchizedek, and said, Blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And again, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 7. Now beyond contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. So, there's an impartation which is going on. It's Melchizedek who's, who's blessing Abraham, not Abraham yet. Okay, you see that? Okay, so it's Abraham is being blessed by Melchizedek and Melchizedek is a type of Christ and there's a spiritual impartation which is going on. So, we need to understand what is this blessing. If everybody is after this blessing, what is the definition of this blessing and what exactly does the blessing of God encapsulate? Okay, we need to understand that. Well, one of the principles we we know from our from from our study in in scripture, even we are taught in the church, there's a, what we call as a law of what mention first mention. Okay, so what is true spiritual blessing? There's a law of first mention. So in order to understand what is blessing, we need to go to Genesis chapter one. Okay, and remember when you're going to Genesis chapter one, we are talking here of the resurrected earth. Remember, the earth was without form and void. When God created the heavens and the earth in, the, in, in verse 1, the earth was without form and void and darkness was covering uh, the entire earth and the Spirit of the Lord was hovering upon the waters. Remember that? Therefore, uh, God said, let there be light and the new creation took place. Remember that? So, the new, there's a new creation, therefore the old creation was resurrected. I mean, there was a resurrection, if you will, took place. And there was a new creation and into that new creation so many things were uh, uh, were, uh, were caused to be created by the word of God. Um, you can, in fact, you can see uh, the, 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 the type of, uh, of, uh, of Genesis 1 verse one, uh, 4, I mean 3 and 4 if you see. Genesis 1 verse 3 and 4. Then Lord said, let there be light and there was light. Okay. And God saw that the light, it was good and God had divided the light from the darkness. There was a separation that took place. God said, there was, let there be light and there was light. Okay. And there was a resurrection of the earth which took place. Alright. Similarly, if you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6, you'll see the parallel here. What it means, the spiritual uh, uh, meaning of that particular verse. It says, for it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So, we were also given a new birth through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's exactly what First Peter chapter 1 will say. We have been born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And therefore the same God who spoke light 
out of darkness, has shown in our hearts by speaking the gospel and he has resurrected us. And to that resurrected earth, he is imparting a blessing. Okay, you understand that? You understand the whole context over here? So to that resurrected earth, he imparts his blessing. And where you do you find the word blessing, the word blessing which is barach, appears in two verses. It appears in Genesis chapter 1 verse 22, where he is blessing the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. We don't want to go there. We want to know how he blessed the first man. Okay, Adam, this is what it says in Genesis chapter 1. Let's verse, let's read from verse 26 onwards. Okay. okay, a type here again. Then God said, let us make man in our own image. So he also has created, recreated us in the image of Christ. And he's conforming us by the washing of water by the word, more and more into the image of Christ. Okay, according to our likeness, let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image and the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them and then he says and God blessed them. And what did he say? How did he bless them? And God said to them. Okay, this is a, there's an ironic blessing also, you know. Uh, the Lord asked Aaron to bless in Numbers chapter 6, right? Let the God be, uh, let his face shine upon you, let him be gracious to you and let him give you peace, etc. There's a similar kind of blessing is going on. There's an impartation which is going on to the, to the new creation of the first man who was created. God is giving a blessing. This is the blessing that he speaks upon them. He says, be fruitful. Okay, be, and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, of the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So you have five dimensions to this blessing. What is spiritual blessing? Essentially, okay. First dimension for the spiritual blessing is that you should be fruitful. Second dimension to the spiritual blessing that you should multiply. Third, you have to fill. Fourth, you have to subdue. And fifth, you have to have dominion. This is spiritual blessing. Be fruitful, multiply, fill, subdue, and have dominion. If you have these three characters in your life, in increasing fashion, then you are truly blessed. First is we're talking about fruitful. But, but by the way, how do how how does one remain fruitful? If you turn to uh, John's Gospel chapter fifteen, you know that very 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 well, right? You know John's Gospel chapter fifteen. I am the wine. Okay, okay. Look at that. Let's read. Okay, and verse uh, one and one to four. Okay, I am the wine. I am the true wine, and my Father is the wine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away, and every branch that bears fruit. He prunes that he may bear more fruit. You have already cleaned because of the word which I have spoken to you. And then verse 5, verse 4. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it, it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Okay, so he says, how do you bear fruit? By abiding in Christ. We know, we understand that once we are born again and once we have obeyed God in the waters of baptism, we have we are positionally in Christ. And as long as we are in Christ, continuously in Christ, so how do you abide in Christ? He says, you abide in my word. That's what it says in the same chapter. Abide in his word. Continuously abide in his word. And it, that, is, that is what it says in, in, um, in Psalm 1. It says, "Who blessed is a man that delights in the law of the Lord and in his law doth he 
meditate day and night. Desh, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that shall bring forth its fruit in its season. So the fruitfulness is directly proportional to be abiding in him. And how do I know that I'm abiding in him? When I abide in his word. That means I obey his word. I just don't even just don't become a guy who keeps on filling my brains with the word of God. I continuously apply the word of God in my life. And even as I apply the word of God in my life and I obey the word of God, there is fruit in my life. And when he sees fruit, you know what he does? He prunes it even more. <laughs> okay. So that we bear more fruit. So we have to be fruitful. Okay. And that is what he says in Genesis, uh, John chapter 5. It is to the, to the father's glory that you bear fruit, he says. You don't have to turn there. It is the glory, to the glory of the father that we bear fruit. So the first blessing, first dimensionality of the blessing, the fivefold. You see, five is the number of what? Grace. Okay, so you have the fivefold ministry, the prophetic, the apostolic, the prophetic, the shepherdic, <laughs> the, of course, the evangelist and the teacher. Okay, so the fivefold ministry of the word of God, of, of, of God which is given to us is to make us fruitful. And what are those, what is being fruit, what is the true blessing? This blessing has got five dimensions. First dimension that is to be fruitful. So what are, what is this fruit that we need to bear, Baba? Is a very important question. I looked at it several times, but I want to look at it once again. Okay, so until we get it, no? Let us see the first fruit that we need to bear. Anybody knows the first fruit that we need to bear? Matthew chapter 3 and verse 7 onwards. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said, brood of vipers who has warned you to, uh, to flee from the wrath to come. Therefore, verse 8, bear fruit worthy or in keeping with what? Repentance. Okay. So he, he told the who? Matthew chapter 3. He told the Pharisees and the Sadducees, right? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. And what did he call him? Brood of vipers. After that, did they do anything? I don't think so. Now go to Luke's Gospel, chapter 3 and verse 7. The same message. Luke's Gospel, chapter 3 and verse 7. Then he said to the multitudes that came to be baptized. Now, who is that multitude? All kinds of people. Okay. The tax collectors and the sinners and the everybody came there. When, the, when he saw the multitudes that, he, that came to be baptized, what did he call them? Brood of vipers again. So he called the Pharisees and the Sadducees brood of vipers. And he called the multitude also brood of vipers. Okay. So he did, didn't change the message to the to the Pharisees. And he did not change the message to the multitudes. He did not say, oh, you poor sinners. He didn't say that. He called them brood of vipers too. But only one difference. The Pharisees and the Sadducees got offended. <coughs> what does the multitudes do? Verse 8. <coughs> Onwards. Again, he says... Um, Verse 8, look, therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. Same thing. For God, for I say to you, God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And then, even now the axe is laid to the root. We know that. Verse 11. <coughs> Verse 10, sorry. So the people asked him saying, what shall we do then? Okay. So, first thing he says, what shall we do then? And he says, he answered and said to them, he who has two tunics, let him give to the one who has none. And he who has food, let him do likewise. You know what he says? Continue. He told them, people in the multitude, he says, be merciful to others. 
that is one of the fruit of the fruit of repentance that you have be merciful another place another another guy was uh, 12 the tax collectors come to him now he says that then the tax collectors also came to him to be baptized and he said to them teacher what shall we do you know what he says collect no more than that is appointed to you okay don't bribe it's very interesting. Tax collectors, then tax collectors now. Everybody, the same spirit of the tax collectors is everywhere. Now, you should not say that if I was a tax collector, I'll be a righteous tax collector. That only Kejriwal can boast like that, but we don't know. Okay, he, he worked apparently in the revenue department. Okay, so we don't know. So, uh, he says, collect no more than what is appointed for you. That's what he tells, tells the tax collectors. That's also a, a fruit of repentance, right? And verse, uh, next verse. Likewise, the soldiers asked him, Rakshaka Bhattul Gudachar. Rakshaka Bhattul and Devaru, police all. In the case law, the police people also came. The soldiers also came to him and said, what shall we do? And he tells them three things. First, don't intimidate anybody with the sticks. Second, don't accuse anybody falsely. My goodness, you go to the police station, they can lock you up for anything. They can create a case if you, if you, if, if they have to get you, they'll do some, they'll do anything to get you. Okay. So don't intimidate them. Don't accuse them. That means do not misuse your authority. And the third thing, be content with your wages. Are you? What a difficult thing for a policeman to, and you know why they do it, right? They said, sir, hamara salary is not sufficient for us. That's what they say. But he says, be content with your pages. So there's a fruit worthy of repentance. There's a fruit of repentance. But there is, this is specific fruit, but there is another fruit which is also we need, we are not supposed, we are supposed to bear. What is that? In 2nd Corinthians chapter 7 verse 10. Look at what it says. Verse 10 and 11. There are seven characteristics of the fruit of repentance. Godly sorrow produces repentance. Therefore, this repentance is something which you cannot produce it by yourself. You understand that? That's that's the reason why it says in Acts chapter 11 that God granted them what? Repentance. Okay. How do you, how does God grant you repentance? Very simple. By hearing the truth. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 24 and 25. Okay. Don't worry. And the Lord and a servant of the Lord must not quarrel but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, instructing those or correcting those who are in opposition if God may perhaps grant them repentance. You see that? So that they may know the truth. By preaching the truth and allowing the Holy Spirit to convict people, God will grant them repentance. The first thing the Holy Spirit does when he, when, he convict, when he comes into your life, He convicts you of sin, of righteousness and of judgment. You know that very well, right? So there's a fruit of repentance. There's a first fruit He's looking for. What is that? Second Corinthians chapter 7. He's got seven attitudes He's talking about. Okay. Verse, uh, chapter 7 verse 11. He says, 7-11 of Second uh, Corinthians. Observe the very thing that you sorrowed after a godly manner. It produced diligence. Okay. Second, it produced clearing of yourselves. Okay. Third, it produced displeasure or indignation. That means you were displeased the way you uh, sinned against God. You see, like, I, 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 this is remarkable. No, there's a there's a guy who we have to grow in this. No, there's a difference between a guy who sins in the world. Okay, 
The sinner in the world is sinning against God. Sinner in the kingdom is sinning against his father. Okay. So what causes my father displeasure? The same kind of displeasure I, saw, I should also have. Fourth, fear. Okay. The fear of the Lord. Alright, that's what it says in Psalm chapter 2, rejoice with trembling. Yeah, so there should be a fear of God. And then for, fourth, it's talking about vehement desire or longing. Longing to please Him, you long for God. You desire God. You desire to be in the company of God's people and you desire to listen and hear from God. Sixth, zeal. This is not just not, not normal zeal, this is zeal of God. And then second, what vindication? Meaning, you want to clear yourselves completely. You do not want God to give you any occasion to and say, you know what Vijay, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not happy with this area in your life. Whenever you say, Lord, this, this is displeasing to you, you're ready to punish that disobedience in your life and say, Lord, yes, I want to have a clear conscience with you and I want to have a clear conscience with man. So, these are, this is fruit of repentance and for that we need to continuously grow in repentance. And there's nothing like, you know, today we have repented and that's it. No, there's a continuous growth in repentance. We looked at it in several times, several contexts, but I'm not going to go into that in more detail. Second fruit God is looking for in our lives. If you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13 and if you have the ESV, it'll be great. Okay. 13 and verse 15. And we sang this. Come, let us offer the sacrifice of praise. It is the fruit of our lips giving thanks. Look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 in the ESV. Through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips that acknowledge his name. Like that. A fruit of our lips which acknowledges his name. Similarly, very similar even in Telugu also. It says, we acknowledge his name. That's the rendering even in Telugu. Okay, so what does it mean? Fruit of our lips acknowledging his name means there's something about the God, about the characteristic of God that we have grown in. And, and we confess that. Alright? So the, the first person in the Bible who gave a name to God do you know who it is? I know. It's very interesting. The first person in the Bible who gave a name to God. Excuse me? No. Okay, never gave a name to God. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'll tell you who gave the name to God. Found in Genesis chapter 16. If you know your Bible, who, who is it? No, no, Hagar, that's right. The first person in the Bible who gives a name to God is Hagar. And look at what she calls God. Now, if, if you want to understand, see, this is what we call as a fruit of our com- confession, a fruit of our lips. Acknowledging his name means there is something about God you have grown in and you are acknowledging it continuously in your life. Okay. You understand what I'm talking about? There's an acknowledging of a particular attribute of God. See, there are several attributes of God. 
And but there is one attribute of God and you know what, the very first attribute of God which we have to grow in and which will become a part of our confession every day of our life. See, unless it is in our heart, it should not come out of our mouth. And what is coming out of our mouth is necessarily not, not just words, it is also attitudes because he is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our heart. So what is coming out of our heart is a confession of what we have truly, truly appropriated in our lives as children of God. So what should we appropriate in our lives? Let us read from Genesis chapter 16 and in verse 1 onwards. This is powerful. Sarah is Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. So she said, and uh, she had an Egyptian maid servant whose name is Hagar. We know the story. And verse 5 onwards. She con- conceives, uh, verse 4, just let's read verse 4, the last part. Uh, and when she saw that she had conceived, that is Hagar, her mistress became despised in her eyes. So now she became very proud. Okay. Let's move on. Then Sarai said to Abraham, My wrong be upon you. I gave my maid to your, to your embrace and when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between you and me. So Abraham said to Sarai, Indeed your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. Okay, from her, whose presence? From her presence. So this is basically fled from her face, basically. Presence means face, okay. She fled from Sarah's face. Sarah's face became a little, um, uh, you know, you remember, Laban's face also becomes a little against. The same thing, okay. Now the angel of the Lord found her by the spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way of Shur. Okay. And he said, Hagar! (laughs) Look at what the the identity of Hagar is. Sarai's maid. Where have you come from and where are you going? That's 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 one of the questions in the Bible. Where are you coming from? Where are you going? And if you were to ask Jesus, where are you coming from and where are you going? I am coming from the Father to finish my Father's will, to accomplish His work on the cross and be buried and raise again on the third day, birth the church, disciple a bunch of guys, and go back to my father. He knows precisely where he's coming from and where he's going. And look at what he says. says, Hagar, Sarah is made. Where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I'm fleeing from the face or the presence of my mistress, Sarai. And look at what he says. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Very difficult. That is the reason why it says in First Peter chapter two. Don't have to turn there. Submit, as servants, submit not only to the gentle but also to those those who are harsh. For to this you are called, because Christ also suffered, leaving you an example. Okay. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, "I will multiply your descendants exceedingly, so that you shall, uh, so that they shall not be counted." And verse. 11. And the Lord, and the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child, you shall bear a son, you shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your affliction. And verse 13. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are the God who sees. You know, the, the Hebrew word is Be'er Lai Roi. 
the lord who is who sees el roi we sing that no el roi el roi nannu chuchave vandanamaya okay we remember that song el roi the first name that she acknowledges is el roi why does she acknowledge she says you know what lord you're seeing the affliction that i'm that i'm bearing under a very harsh mistress you're seeing it and your eyes are not covered you know what i'm telling everybody you know if you have a hard master and you are finding it really really troublesome to submit to that master it could be a husband or it could be a boss okay let me tell you something if you continue to submit to that master you know what god says i am the lord who sees it And then she says, for she says, have I also here seen him who sees me? And the next thing, look at the next detail which is given over here. Verse 14. That is why the well was called Beer Lahai Roi. Observe it is between Kadesh and Bered. Who is this saying? Who is this person who is speaking? Angel? No, 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 no. Verse 13 was spoken to, spoken by the angel. And here, therefore, the well was called Beer Lai Roi. Observe it is between Kadesh and Bered. It's very interesting. It is, you know, some translations will say, it is still there between Kadesh and Bered. Okay. Who is this talking to? Who is talking to whom here? In verse 14? Any ideas? Ah, God is talking to Moses. Did Moses enter into the promised land? No. This is the place in promised land. It is not in the wilderness. This is in the promised land. And you know what God is telling Moses? Moses, Hagar was there and she said, the Lord sees me. It is still there. Write down. It is still there. Write down. It's remarkable. She confessed a name. This morning, if you are having trouble under a boss or a or a husband or whoever under authority, under whose authority you are, okay, God sees you. If you are not rebelling, if you are humbling yourself and you are subjecting yourself under the master, God sees you. Okay, and He will give you a well, and you can confess the name El Roi. And bear means well. El Roy. Now why is this significant? Why is this significant? Genesis chapter 24. Verse 62 onwards. Actually 61 onwards. 61, 61, 61. 61. Okay. Then Rebecca and her maid servant arose. And they rode on the camels and followed the man. Who is this man? Eliezer. Okay, Eliezer is a picture of the oh, Holy Spirit. Rebecca is a picture of the church. So the servant took Rebecca and departed. Now Isaac came from the way to Beer Lai Rohi, for he dwelt in the south. So what did he do? Our heavenly Isaac also will come down to a place called Beer Lai Rohi, a place of subjection, to meet his bride. Who also lived under subjection to authority. And Isaac, who came under the subjection of his father, 
will one day meet his bride at a place called Beer Lairoi, which is still there, spiritually. God is going to come half the way, right? That's what it says in 1 Thessalonians, right? He will come, or 1st or 2nd Thessalonians, he says, he will come half the way and we will meet with our God and we will together be with our Lord. So he's also going to come half way. That's exactly what Isaac did. He came to a place called Beer Lairoi, the place where Hagar called, the Lord sees. What does the Lord see? The Lord sees my affliction. The Lord sees my hardship. The Lord sees my cry when I am under a cruel master. The Lord sees. And Isaac also was like that, right? <laughs> that is the reason why it says in First Peter chapter 2, verse 22 and 23. Who committed no sin? Who is this Baba? Jesus. Nor was deceit found in his mouth. But what did he do? Verse 23. He continued entrusting himself to the one who judges righteously. Okay. He continued entrusting himself. He never threatened. He never reviled Okay, he did not commit uh, sin. He did not threaten. Okay, he never used his authority, you know, you know, in a wrong way. But he continued subjecting himself to God, and that God is a picture of Isaac. Isaac also was a, was a man who was, you know, completely subject to his father. He never created any trouble to his father, no. And there he meets his bride, Rebecca, at a place called Beer Lairoi. Who and who is this Rebecca? Rebecca is found in Revelation chapter fourteen, verse four. You know this verse very well. These are the ones who were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits of God and the Lamb. In verse 5 it says, No lie was found in their mouths. They are blameless. There was no deceit in their mouth, and they are blameless or without fault before their God. So we have at Rebecca and Isaac meet at a point, Beer lie roi. So what is that first confession? It is a fruit of our lips giving thanks, no? It is a fruit of our lips confessing his name. Okay, what is the one first the first name you should confess? El Roy. God sees me. He sees me. He sees whatever I'm going through, he sees. He, whatever you're going through, he sees. Whatever you're going through, he sees. Okay. Especially he sees if you are really, really struggling in, in your marriage, if you will, if you have a husband who's abusive or whatever it is, he sees. You know, it says, likewise, wives submit to your own husbands. So that even if some do not believe that they can be won over without speaking a word, when they see your chaste behavior coupled with fear. Chaste behavior coupled with fear. That is a bride God is looking for. A bride who has a meek, gentle and a quiet spirit which in the sight of God is exceedingly precious. I added that word exceedingly precious. In the sight of God, exceedingly precious. So what is a confession? First confession, if you have to grow in one of the fruits, we have to grow in the fruit of our lips. And what is the fruit of our lips? The confession of his name, that he is a God who sees me. He sees me in my troubles. He sees me in, the, in my problems. He sees me if I am going under, if, if I'm being abused or if I'm being used or whatever. If people are using me like a drum, doormat. And if you're in your company, you're the person who's been asked to do everything. Okay. The more work that you've been given, 
it's a good thing on you it's a good thing on your character but you see people who get more work are the people who can be trusted right if you don't get work that means that the boss doesn't trust you whoever the boss runs to is a person who can be trusted and the boss can be really harsh on you also and not not even pay you well but there is a god who sees there is a god who sees that's exactly what happened to jacob jacob was one guy who was there in potiphar's house and the lord was with him and he worked and worked and worked under potiphar okay he never complained once against authority he never said anything he never tried to vindicate himself he went into prison prison possibly was beaten up but there was a god who was seeing him you know was one fruit that 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 uh, that uh, um joseph was growing in how can i do this great sin against what against god i know there's a god who's always watching me there's a god who sees me in my situations in my sin everywhere he is a god who sees me there's nothing hidden from his eyes therefore i need to grow in that fruit a confession the fruit of our lips giving acknowledging his name that he is a god who sees that is one of the fruits second fruit genesis chapter 22 you know this very well verse 13 onwards 13 onwards yeah and abraham looked lifted up his eyes and looked and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns uh, so abraham went took the ram and he offered up for a burnt offering instead of his son and abraham called the name of the place yahweh ire or the lord will provide as it is see, see the again what is the detail it is there till today who is this talking to moses who is telling this to moses God is telling this to Moses. Is Moses in the promised land? No, he is not in the promised land. He is saying in the promised land, my dear, my dear Moses, there is a place called Yahweh Ire. It is still there, and that promise is there for you today also. You know that? What is that promise today for us? What is that promise there today? Yesterday we looked at it. Romans chapter eight, verse thirty-two. What is that promise? Yesterday, last night we looked at it. What is the promise? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not freely with us, with him, give us what? All things graciously, freely. Whatever you need, he will provide. As long as you confess his name, it's a fruit of our lips, giving thanks, confessing his name. It's a fruit. You're growing in this fruit. You're growing increasingly. easily understanding it is a god who comes through if i obey him implicitly if i put anything that god asks me on the altar if i say lord i fear you whatever you ask of me here i am lord and if you do that god is a god who will not ever forsake you never ever forsake you that's what it says in romans chapter 8 verse 32 onwards if you read that he were he who did not spare his own son but delivered him for us all how will he not with him freely give us all things he who who shall bring any charge against god select it is god who justifies who is he who is he who condemns it is christ who died for the more it is he who is risen and he is seated at the right hand of the father making intercession for us and verse 35 who will separate us from the love of christ shall tribulation distress persecution famine nakedness peril or so nothing 
verse 37 all these things we are what more than conquerors see that there's a fruit of our lips confessing his name two grow in elroi god who says okay second grow in lord who provides he sees he provides he sees he provides he sees your reflection he sees your temptations he sees your trials and God says, I will not allow you to go through more temptations than you can what you can bear. And with every temptation, what am I going to give you? A door of escape. Because I'm a God who sees. You know what that means? He's a God who sees and he is also a God who knows. In other words, he's a God who wants to get give us 100% all the time. So he will give us a question paper according to our ability. Okay. So if your ability is this much, he will give you a prof- question paper to that end, or to that level. So if you are class 5, he will not give you 10th class, for sure. Yeah. Alright. So if he has given you a test, that means I know there is a grace which is available for me to pass that test. Okay. So there is a God who sees and there is a God who provides. Alright. And why you know why these three things? And there is one thing else. The Lord is our righteousness. That is the reason why. Because we do not uh, go to God based upon our own righteousness or our own obedience. Okay. Yahweh Kenu. What does that mean? The Lord, my righteousness. Okay. He is my righteousness. He is my vindication. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. And every lying tongue that is going to raise against me, I shall condemn for this is my heritage as a servant of the Lord. And my righteousness is of him. He is my righteousness. I confess that. I grow in that fruit, acknowledging the fact that he is my righteousness. That means I will never ever try to justify myself. My justification comes from God and God alone. The glory of man, I don't even look for. I don't seek the glory of God, glory of man. I only seek the glory which comes from the only God. I have no other God apart from him. That is what it means to grow in righteousness. What, what, that is what it means to confess that he is my righteousness, that he is my vindication, that he is the God who sees me and therefore he is a God who vindicates me and he is a God who provides me. We have to grow in this fruit also. And yesterday we looked at another fruit. You know what that fruit was? You come with your javelin and with your spear. I come in the name of Yahweh Shabots, whose armies you have defied. Defied. Yahweh Shabots. You know, we remember, remember that song? A mighty fortress is our God. Yeah. Remember? What does the second stanza say? Did we in our own strength confide? Our striving will be losing. Were not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Does ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord, Lord Shabovoth, his name, and age to age the same, and he must win the battle. And then verse 3 will say, and though this world with devil's will shall threaten to undo us, we will not fear for God as will. His truth to triumph through us, the prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure, one little word shall fell him. Lord Shabbat. Okay. 
And then he says, that word above all earthly powers, not, no thanks to them abideth. The spirit and the gifts are ours. Through him who with us sideth, let goods and kindreds go. This mortal life also, this body they may kill. God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. The Lord Shabbat, his name. He is the one who fights our battle. He is the one who wins our battle. All I need to do is to hide myself in him. I need to have a personal testimony of my victory over sin in my life. A personal testimony. You see, what does, see, there is what testimony about other people about you. There is a testimony about you or yourself. And there is a testimony of God about you. Three testimonies. Other people about you, okay. Yes, we know one guy, David in the wilderness, very skillful, man of valor, God is with him, etc. What about my testimony about myself? I was in the wilderness. And the lion came. And the bear came. And the Lord delivered me. That is the fruit of my lips. You see, because I've experienced God in my life as Lord Shabbat. What is, what is Elijah's testimony about? Lord, I am the only one who is left. <laughs> well, God said, okay, no, no, Elijah, there is another seven. But isn't it true at some level? God could not use any of those 7,000 people. There was one Elijah who was available to God. And that was his personal testimony. Question is, do you have a personal testimony? And you know what God's testimony about David was? There is a man after my own heart. That's that's my man. Man after my own heart. The three testimonies. People's testimony about you. Your testimony about yourself. And the third testimony is God's testimony about you. Ezekiel testimony is what? Ezekiel. I'm going to take the delight of your eyes from you. I know you love your wife very much. That's his testimony. Your marriage is fantastic. Ezekiel. I'm with this. That's what he says in Malachi. I was witness in your marriage and you're covered with garments of violence. God is witness. God is a God who sees. So we looked at four characteristics. What is that? First, God who sees. Second, God who provides. Third, God my righteousness. And fourth, God is a God who fights my battle. So we have to increase in this fruit. Where we increase in our heart, our confession. What is our confession? He is called the apostle and our high priest of our confession. Lord, whatever they are saying is true. Okay, The Lord is my righteousness, if you confess. But Lord, that fellow is more worried about what his boss is going to think about him. That fellow is more worried about what other people think about him with his giving. He shows off in his giving. He never gives in secret. He never prays in secret. He never reads in secret. There is no secret life at all. Everything is lived out before man. So when he is confessing, Lord is my righteousness, is false. Okay. John's Gospel chapter 5, verses 43 and 44, if I am right. I have come in my Father's name and you do not receive it. Receive me. If another comes in his own name... Him you will receive. Look at the next verse. How can you believe? Verse 44. Who receive honor one from another and do not seek the honor or the glory that comes from the 
only God. You see that? It's a confession. So four things we looked at. What is that? Confession is the Lord who sees, the Lord who provides, the Lord my righteousness, and the Lord who fights my battles. Amen? So that is fruit number two. What is fruit number three? Hmm. Was Hebrews chapter two, verse ten. Hebrews chapter two, verse ten and eleven. Very, very good. Very good. <laughs> good, good, good to see that you are writing. I wrote it, so you also should write, no? Naturally, I wrote it, I typed down my notes, so naturally you should also write. Okay, let's see. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 10. For they disciplined us. What is that, Baba? 12, verse 10. For they indeed chastened us. As it seemed best to them. Who is this? Our earthly fathers. But he for our prophet. That means our earthly fathers, fathers often uh, chastened us for their prophet. Not all the time. For our prophet also. The, or for their prophet also maybe. But our God is one God who has got no other ulterior motive. He is doing it for our prophet. Okay. But he is for our prophet that we may be partakers of his holiness and verse 11 look at what it says now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present but painful nevertheless afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness so there's a fruit of what repentance second there's a fruit of our lips confessing his name third there's a fruit of discipline okay that means what when you are disciplined what should it produce in us righteousness. We get to understand God's ways. When we go stray from his paths, we come back. That is the reason why in Psalm 119 he says, before I was afflicted, I went what? Astray. Ah. But after I was afflicted, I knew your judgments, he says. And then he says, it was good that I was afflicted. That I might know your judgments. You see, that is what we call as a fruit of Chastening or discipline. We need to grow in this fruit of discipline. First Samuel chapter 2 verse 22. Look at one father, how he disciplines his sons. Yeah, First Samuel chapter 2 verse 22 onwards. Now Eli was very old and he heard everything his sons did to all Israel. And how they lay with the women and assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So he said to them, why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all the people. No, my sons, for it is not a good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people transgress. You see, did they ever take correction? Never. One of the things that I have learned over a period of time is that when you are not corrected when you are young, it will be very difficult for you to get corrected when you are, when you are old. Very difficult. To stay in the narrow path will become very, very difficult. To come under subjection, to obey your parents, to obey your teachers, to change those bad habits. It's important that you get corrected when you are young, younger. Okay. Okay. Let me tell you what is younger. Okay. 40, less than 40 is younger. Okay. So if you are all less than 40, then you are safe. You can correct yourself. You go above 40, your character is already set. In other words, let me tell you, if you do not inculcate the discipline of being disciplined, 
would I say? Ah, 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 exactly. To accept discipline itself is a discipline. You know that? Commandment is lamp. Law is light. Reproofs of instruction are a way of life. So if you do not make discipline a way of life now, by the time you cross the threshold of 40, it will become increasingly difficult for you to accept the discipline of being disciplined. See, why am I saying that? What is repentance? A change of mind. Right? And you need to have a tender heart, a tender, soft, malleable heart and a malleable mind or a reasonable mind. Come, let us reason together, says the Lord, to understand the ways of God, to see where this path trajectory is taking me. And if you do not if you do not inculcate the habit of discipline, you are set in your ways. That is the reason why it says, "How can you do good those who are accustomed to to do to doing evil?" You know what that word "accustomed" the word comes from the Hebrew word "limud." Limud limud means to be disciplined. You are disciplined in doing the wrong thing. How can you do the right thing? It's very interesting. Can an Ethiopian change his color? Can you, uh, can a leopard change his spots? Can you change those who are being disciplined to do evil? That's a correction over there. So you are set in your ways. It's become a part of your nature now. It is impossible for me to correct you. It's, you're like a wild donkey who sniffs the wind, who's disciplined to do something stupid. Limud occurs three, four times in the entire Bible. One in a positive note and three times in a negative note. One in a positive note is only referring to Christ. It says, morning by morning you awakened me and you gave me a tongue of a disciple. The guy who's disciplined in his tongue, he is a perfect man. And who is the only perfect man? Jesus himself was a perfect man. And he learned obedience through the things he suffered. So when he became a man, he learned to discipline his tongue. And therefore God says in Isaiah chapter 50, I woke, I woke you up morning by morning. I gave you a ear of a disciple. And therefore I gave you a tongue of a disciple. You need to grow in the discipline of being disciplined. Think about it. Means one of the things that we need to really, really, really fight with, uh, with a vengeance in our life is the attitude of being offended. It's one of the sickest attitudes you should hate in yourself. Whenever you get offended, Lord, I got offended today, shucks. I didn't like it. I did not embrace correction. I did not embrace it. The fruit, my dear brothers, the fruit of discipline. <laughs> it's a fruit of discipline. Okay. Understand that. Look at what it says. Otherwise, it will become too late. Proverbs chapter 5, please. Verse uh, 10 onwards. Actually, can we read from verse 8 onwards? Remove your way from far from her. This is from the uh, seductress woman. Okay, and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your ears to the cruel one. So this is talking about a discipline of living a life of pleasure. Hmm. 
Okay, and then he says, Lest aliens be filled your, with your wealth and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. Now, yesterday I was listening to one man of God whose father was given to substance abuse, alcohol. And he said, you know, my father, before he became a believer, he was a fantastic worker. Okay, he had excellent skill. But one thing you could never do is keep a job. You know why he could never keep a job? Because he had a terrible habit of drinking. Substance abuse in his life. And he drank and he drank and he drank and he drank. was extremely brilliant. He has tremendous talent. But he could never ever keep one single job in his life. Never. And there are so many people who are not necessarily given over to, uh, to, to, to substance abuse like alcohol maybe. But one thing in your life you can never do is you can never keep a job. Notwithstanding the fact that you are skillful. Why? Why? And what happened? He had never money because all his money used to go to the bar. By the time he finished, the, by the time he would get his paycheck, by evening he would finish the money. Aliens are being filled with your wealth. Your labors are going to the house of a foreigner. Happens even these days. So much of work, you do, all your money goes to something else. Because you have never inculcated the discipline of being disciplined. Next verse, verse 12, verse 11. And you mourn at last when your flesh and your body is consumed. That means there is no strength left in your body anymore. Even now, if you want to change, there is no change. I mean, there is no ability to change anymore. And then look at what he says the next verse. And you say, how I hated instruction and my heart despised correction. When people corrected me, I hated it. I hated instruction. I despised correction. And then I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers. Look at this. First, I hated instruction. Second, I despised correction. Third, I did not obey the voice of my teachers. Fourth, I was not inclined to those who instructed me. That means I was very, very careless about spiritual things. I, I told you, right? Inclination is a posture. Acute angle, obtuse angle. Okay. My geometrical position was always relaxed. Ah, it's okay. Chaltare. No problem. I can take it easy. So first thing, he hated instruction. Second, he despised correction. Third, he did not obey the voice of my teachers. Fourth, he says, did not incline to those, his ear to those who instructed me. You see, inclining your ear, the discipline of what? Hearing. And verse 5, verse 14. I was in the verge of total ruin in the midst of the congregation and the assembly. Right there in the middle of the church, I lost my testimony. My testimony is lost. Why is my testimony lost? Because I was a guy who hated instruction, who despised correction, who did not obey the voice of my teachers, who did not incline his ear to instruction and I I came into total ruin. I destroyed myself. Oh, my dear brothers and sisters, the discipline of being disciplined, the fruit of discipline itself, you know, when we, that's what, that's, that's what exactly I keep telling, you know, parents who come to our ch- school, you know, when we discipline our children, first thing we do, we say is that, uh, okay, you do this, you clean up your room and you arrange the whole home in proper order, I will give you a chocolate or I will give you a reward. Now, they do that for a reward. But over a period of, period of time, even as they keep disciplining themselves and keep doing, uh, keep allowing order to come into their lives, you know, they say, you know what, the very fact that 
my, I am disciplined. It, it itself is a blessing. It's bearing so much of fruit. It saves me so much of time. It saves me so much of money. Isn't it true? We never have time to study. We are studying till the last minute. Why? Because we are not disciplined. We don't prioritize stuff. We don't give importance to the things that we have to give importance to. We waste our time in, in all kinds of things because we do not have the fruit of discipline in our lives. So the first fruit, fruit of repentance. Second fruit, fruit of confessing his name. Third, the fruit of discipline. Fourth fruit. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Verses 6 to 10. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Okay? Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For once you were darkness... (laughs) But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And look at the verse 9. For the fruit of spirit is in all goodness, righteousness and truths. Verse 10. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. This is what we call as the fruit of light. What is that? Fruit of light. First we got the fruit of repentance. Second we we talked about the fruit of our lips acknowledging his name. Third we talked about the fruit of discipline. Fourth we talked about the fruit of light. What is light? Light ante andhakaranunchi velukulonika raadamu. Andhakaram ante ante. Agnyanamu. Ignorance. Ignorance is darkness. Okay. He brought it out of ignorance. My people perish because of lack of what? Knowledge. Okay. Look at what it says in I if you have the KJV, bro. Pure hardcore KJV, Victorian English. Okay, let us read. Uh, Isaiah chapter 8, <laughs> verse 19 to 20. When they shall say unto you, Seek unto them that are familiar spirits and unto wizards that peep. Look at this, my goodness, my dear brothers and sisters. There are only two sources of power in this world. Either you are in the realm of witchcraft or you are in the realm of God. You know what it says to Peter? Peter tells, uh, God tells Peter when he says, uh, thou art the son of God, the son of the blessed one. And what, is, what does Jesus say? Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father which is in heaven. Therefore, where is the father? Which realm? You are talking about that. Which realm? Third realm. That means there was a revelation that came from you from the third realm. Okay. You are understanding God. There is a revelation that is going on. Okay, But if you do not have a revelation, look at what it says. Verse 19. You seek unto them that have familiar spirits. Wizards that peep. <laughs> I like that. No, What is wizarding? Peeping means? They peep through the keyhole. They don't have revelation. They don't have an understanding of God. Okay, wizards that peep and, and and mutter, should not the people seek unto their God for the living to the dead? And then verse 20, the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. You see that there is no light. 
Everything okay? All is well? Okay. Okay, I was... Don't get distracted. Don't distract me, okay? All right. The law and the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Okay? We need what? Revelation. Okay? So, when that is the reason why Paul says, when I got this revelation, I did not confer with what? Flesh and blood. Okay? This is, this is having a revelation. Now, we have to... There are four categories here again. You turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 6. But now, brothers, if I if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by what? Revelation, second by knowledge, third prophesying, and fourth by word of instruction or by teaching. Four areas. Revelation of God, knowledge of God, a prophetic word, and instruction. Now, prophetic meaning, it doesn't necessarily mean to, uh, to, 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 uh, to see the future. Prophetic word is essentially more of the time, most of the time, if you look at the prophetic word, it is a word which brings correction. You see, you see that, right? Ahab was a, Elijah was a prophet. What was he doing? He was turning the hearts of the people back to their God. That is a prophetic word. And God is going to pour out the spirit of Elijah in the, in the last days, which will cause us to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the hearts of the children back to their fathers. There's a restoration that goes on. That is what is called, what is called as a prophetic. Not necessarily looking at the future. There's a revelation. There is knowledge. There's prophecy. There's prophecy and the word of instruction. Okay. And verse, uh, so how do we grow in this? Uh, if you turn with me to First Samuel chapter 3 and verse 1 and then 19 to 21. First Samuel chapter 3 and verse 1. Now the, the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And there was no widespread what? Revelation. But thank God Samuel came. God found a man who was disciplined. And verse 19 it says, So Samuel grew. And the Lord was with him. And let none of his words fall to the ground. And verse 20. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. Why? Because of the word that was there in Samuel's mouth. He was, he was growing in the word. He was growing in the word. What should we grow in there for? What is the fruit of light? Growing in the word. Growing in the understanding of God's word. You know, it's very interesting, right? Every time Paul goes to a synagogue, in one of the synagogues that he goes to, uh, he says, brothers, do you have a word that you can share? Remember in Acts? And then he starts sharing. He has a word all the time. And therefore he tells Timothy, be ready in season, out of season. Study yourself to show, to study to show yourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Have a word, Timothy. Know the word of God. Know and understand. Spend time. Grow in the word. Grow in understanding. Don't just stay on the milk of the word of God. Understand what? The meat of the word of God as well. So, fourth is a fruit of light. Okay, fruit of light. Okay. You'll see this uh, happening in Abraham's life also. Genesis chapter 15 verse 1. 
Are you there? And after these things, the word of the Lord, you can see that? Appeared to Abraham in a, in a vision saying, saying, do not be afraid Abraham, I am your shield, I am exceeding, I am your exceedingly great reward. And look at how he grows in this. Turn to uh, Genesis chapter 18. And verse uh, 17. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? That is the reason why it says in Amos, the Lord will do nothing except he reveals his will to his servants, the prophets. Okay. And then turn to Genesis chapter 22. Okay. And verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things, God tested Abraham and said, Abraham, you see, he's growing. Growing. The word of the Lord was coming in increasing measure into his life. Okay. He's growing in light. Okay. So first, what is the first fruit? Fruit of repentance. It starts there. Second, fruit of his name. Okay. Third, confessing his name. Third, fruit of his discipline. Fourth, fruit of light. Okay. You know that very well. Fine. Fifth fruit. Fruit of the spirit. <laughs> okay. So we know that Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 and 22 and 23. We just look at one of the fruit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and my favorite fruit. What do you think? Self-control. Okay, that is the fruit we have to all mature and graduate in. Okay, love and self-control. Okay, love, it's a, it is difficult. But self-control, I think, can be achieved. I believe, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I could be wrong. But uh, to say no. No to sin. That is chapter 2 in... Um, in the KJV, in, not in the KJV, in NIV please. Titus chapter 2 verse 11. You know this very well. Self-control. 11 onwards. Titus chapter 2 verse 11 onwards. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness, worldly passions. And to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. <clears throat> while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of a Lord, of a great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So the, we have five fruit we look at. What is the five fruit? Grow in this. Grow in repentance. Grow in confession. Okay. What are the four things in confession we looked at at least? What? El Roy, the Lord who sees. Okay. Yahweh Ire, the Lord who provides. For Yahweh Shabbat, who the Lord who fights my battle, and Yahweh Siddhakenu, the Lord who is my righteousness. At least four. These are the four things you keep growing. Grow in your righteousness. Grow, grow in your fighting your battles. Grow in the fact that the Lord is continuously seeing you. Grow in the fact that God always came through. Always came through. That means you are understanding Him as your Father. You can truly say, the Lord is my Father. He's just not my Lord. He's my Father. Okay? So, and the fifth thing we looked at was the fruit of self-control. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, or of love, and of self-control. Sound mind means self-control. Indriya nigraham gala atma. That's a powerful word. Nigraham. It means you have, you have a control over your senses. Indriya nigraham. Okay, so those are five fruit. Now next, so in the, in the first part of the blessing, we looked at what? 
Blessing has five parts. What is that? First, fruit, be fruitful. Second, multiply. Third, fill. Fill, subdue, dominion. Okay. Fill, subdue, dominion. So second today we look at is multiply. What should we multiply, Baba? Okay. What should I multiply? See, we cannot multiply. God multiplies. We add. What did I say? Uh, God multiplies. We add. God does the difficult part of multiplication. We do addition. Because addition, multiplication is repeated addition. Okay. So let us do how does it first happen. So what should we multiply ourselves in is the first thing. And how does that happen is the second thing. So let us re- read Jude 1 and verse 2. Actually verse 1 and 2. Jude 1 verses 1 and 2. Jude, a bond servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace and love be multiplied. Kya baat hai? What should be, what should be multiplied in our lives? Mercy has to be multiplied. Peace has to be multiplied. And love has to be multiplied. Kya baat hai? Second Peter chapter 1 verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied. So if I put these two together, you should multiply in mercy. You should be, you should multiply in mercy. You should multiply in grace. Second. Third, you should multiply in peace. And fourth, you should multiply in love. Okay. Fruit has got five. Multiplication has got four. Okay. What should I multiply myself in first? I should multiply in mercy. Second, I should multiply in grace. Third, I should multiply in peace. And fourth, I should multiply in love. First, or what I should multiply in? Mercy. See, multiplication means, it is like this. If I put this much, I will get more. It is what we call the law of sowing and reaping. If I sow a little bit of mercy, I will reap a harvest of mercy. That's the idea. Multiplication means that? No. Fruitful, multiply. Multiply means what? Let it just be abundance there. Okay. It's, that's, that's a fantastic law. And God can do it. See, it, see it's a very interesting thing. No, you, you put a seed today. Let's say you put, uh, let's say, uh, some seed and you have to wait for how many months for harvest? At least four months, four to five months for harvest. But God says in the spiritual realm, he teaches us a lesson from the, from the sign of the multiplication of bread. He has five loaves and two fish. You give it to God. Once he breaks it, multiplication can be instantaneous. Why? Because a day in God's court is like thousand elsewhere. Okay, he can do that. Only God can do. So if you are a believer today, spiritual growth is not necessarily chronological. It, you have to take at least 10 years to grow. No. That is happens. That happens with physical growth. Spiritual growth can be much, 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 much faster. I know so, so many people who just came to the Lord, like like Paul, no, he came to the Lord, uh, let's say, he says, he, he, I was a man who was born out of time. He was abnormally born. And then he starts, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If, I, if, you, if you are having doubts about my confession of the word, let me show it to you. No, Any doubts? 
దాని తర్వాత తీరిపోతుంది మీకు ఫస్ట్ కొరియన్ చాప్టర్ ఫిఫ్టీన్ లుక్ అట్ వాట్ ఇట్ సేస్ వర్స్ ఫోర్ ఓకే వర్స్ ఫైవ్ ఆన్ వర్డ్స్ ఫైవ్ ఆన్ వర్డ్స్ ఫస్ట్ కొరియన్ చాప్టర్ ఫిఫ్టీన్ వర్స్ ఫైవ్ ఆన్ వర్డ్స్ అండ్ హీ వాస్ సీన్ బై కేఫా అండ్ బై ద ట్వెల్వ్ after that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once of whom the greater part remained to the present but some have fallen asleep and then after that he was seen by james then by all the apostles and then at the last he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time was born out of due time okay i can means i came the last but he became the first i mean the the parable may, whoever is last will become first is true in paul's life and finally at the end of his life peter will say in second peter chapter 3 verse 17 17 17 you know that very well actually uh, 16 onwards okay yeah 17 these are wells without water clouds carried by a tempest for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever 333 three, bro 3 bro second peter chapter 3 verse 16 onwards this is 2 okay beloved 16 is gone much 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 ahead of me many who are last will become first was first will become last is so true in the life of apostle paul so spiritual growth it doesn't necessarily have to be chronological i mean chronological means yes it takes time but it doesn't have to take a lot of time if it is taking a lot of time that means you are so hard to be to be changed by god so mercy has to be multiplied so you sow a little bit of mercy and a lot of multiplication of mercy will happen okay so his mercies are new every morning so how do you show mercy how do you uh, multiply in mercy by showing mercy you know that right matthew chapter 18 you don't have to turn there the guy who had owned him 100 dinari he put him in prison and god said you owned him me 10000 talents you are not able to forgive a guy who had owned you 100 owed you 100 dinari show a little bit of mercy and i will multiply mercy you you show forgiveness i will multiply forgiveness second is first you have to be multiplied in mercy second you have to multiply in what grace how do you multiply in grace simple first peter chapter 5 verse 5 we'll finish this okay likewise you younger submit yourselves to elders yes all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility for god resists the proud but gives grace to the humble so how do you multiply grace humbly basically coming under subjection another way james chapter 4 verse 4 to 10 adulterers and adulteresses do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with god whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of god i'm just teaching okay hardcore teaching today or do you think that the scripture says in vain the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously and then he gives more grace therefore he says god resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble so how do you multiply in multiply in grace by ensuring that you cut yourself from the world 
Don't play the fool with the world. Separate yourself more and more. The more you separate, the more the grace is multiplied into your life. The more you make Jesus your priority, the more you make the things of God your priority, the more you say, Lord, no to this world and yes to God. What is being multiplied in your life? Grace. Next verse. Look at what it says. Therefore, submit to God by by resisting the world. Okay, I mean, by, by separating yourself from the world. Resist the devil and he will free from you. And then verse, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, your sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Meaning, have this single-minded focus. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. That is how you multiply grace. So you have multiplication in mercy. Then you have multiplication in grace. Then you have multiplication in peace. How do you multiply in peace, Baba? Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. We looked at it yesterday also. Be anxious for nothing. If <laughs> Be anxious for nothing. It's a, such a powerful test, no? Yesterday itself, Pastor was talking about, don't be anxious. Who are anxious in this world? The Gentiles are anxious. Okay. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, nothing, everything. In prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And then you know do that. Next verse, when you do that, verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Okay. That is multiplication and peace. Five, multiplication in love. It's a very difficult thing, okay? This is one chapter which says, how do you multiply in love? Is a question. Okay. Everybody's looking at me, how do we multiply in love? Okay. I was actually thinking about it, okay? I was thinking, Lord, how do I, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a very subjective thing. How, I need to know how much I love God. Okay, the only way to multiply in love is this. Turn with me to Romans chapter 1, sorry, 5, verse 1, 2, and 3. If you have the NASB, it'll be great. Actually, 1 to 5, okay? Romans chapter 1, verse 1 to 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 to 5, okay? Romans chapter 5, verse 1 to 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into his grace, in which we stand and we exult in the hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in tribulation, not knowing that tribulation brings perseverance, perseverance proven character, proven character hope, and hope does not disappoint. Why? Because the love of God is shed abroad. That is multiplication. In our hearts. But how did how did it come? Oh, there's a sequence. We joy in tribulation. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Patience worketh perseverance. Perseverance worketh proven character. And proven character hope. Five. That means this is something which we have to endure suffering. Only when we suffer. We suffer. We suffer. Like this is, this is we say, Lord... I, 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 like, like what Pastor was saying yesterday, you know, he says, whenever you deny your flesh, you have to suffer. Okay. Who who has, he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sinning. Okay. So how do you multiply in love? Is by allowing this to happen. So how does this happen? First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. 
when i was a child <laughs> i spoke like a, we know this is a love chapter no when i was a child i used to speak like a child think like a child reason like a child when i came when i became a man i put away childish things i think this is nasb okay i did away with chinese uh, chi- not chinese things childish things okay uh, oh sorry <laughs> childish things Ch- childish things i put away childish things now look at john's gospel now turn to john's gospel chapter uh, 21 chapter 21 of john's gospel mm-hmm. are you there uh, uh, read from uh, if you read verse uh, 15 uh jesus asked simon bar jona do you love me okay verse 16 second time he asked simon bar jona do you love me then verse 17 so, did do you love me okay then verse 18 most assuredly i say to you when you were younger that means you were a child you girded and walked where you wished <laughs> but when you are old you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish you see that that is how you grow in love what do you say lord take me wherever you want me to go wherever you want me to go i am available wherever you want me to go so multiply in mercy multiply in grace multiply in peace and multiply in love that is what spiritual blessing is and if you are truly spiritually blessed you will be multiplying in mercy you will not be like shimei what what you know what uh, solomon said do you want mercy to be multiplied in your life stay in jerusalem the day you go out of jerusalem you are gone i'm showing you mercy i know your head has to be gone I have to decapitate you in other words but you i'm showing you mercy you stay here you leave jerusalem you are gone 3 years he stays fourth year that third year servants run away and whenever servants run away from your house you know why are they running away running away when servants call you amma i want to work in your home i want to work in your home you know your home is really attractive to servants that why because you treat them well you extend what mercy So Shimei what does he do? He runs after his servants. Finished. Isn't it interesting? There are two people, Onesimus and Shimei. Paul tells Onesimus, Onesimus or Philemon, sorry, Philemon. Philemon, Philemon has a slave called Onesimus. And Paul says to Philemon, Philemon, I know this guy was this 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 to you, but I'm sending him back to you. Now he's going to be profitable to you. receive him back as your brother and this guy <laughs> shimia he never stays under covering and he loses his mercy okay that's the reason why if we turn to james now judgment will be without mercy right remember james chapter 2 and was uh was what excuse me 13 yeah that's 13 years 
Yes. What does it say? For judgment without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy, but mercy triumphs over judgment. For judgment is without mercy to the one who shows mercy. Therefore, let first thing, multiply in mercy. So let this be the time where you are multiplying in mercy. Lord, grace, grant me the grace that I will multiply in mercy. So that I truly experience, I can truly pray, the mercy of God endures forever. Alright. So we had being fruitful. Second, we looked at multiply. Third, what should we do? Fill. <laughs> what should you fill, Baba? Proverbs chapter 24. Verse 3 to 4. <laughs> Through wisdom a house is built and by understanding it is established. Okay. In order to fill, you need to have a what? House. Okay. You need to have a house. Okay. You need to have a house. Okay. What is the house of God? Which is the, what is the house? The church. Church of God is the house of God which is a pillar and bulwark of truth. And you have to build the house of God by what? By wisdom. Okay. That is the reason why it says, I am going to give Bethsalel the spirit of wisdom and he is going to build my ark and he is going to build my sanctuary. And exactly what Paul tells in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, as a wise master builder, I laid the foundation and somebody else builds upon it. Okay, so you, you have to build a house. So how do you build a house? With wisdom. Okay, that is doctrine. Okay, and then, uh, just verse, verse 3, no, verse 3, verse 3. Through wisdom a house is built and by understanding it is established. Okay, so what is understanding? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One, that is understanding if I have understood God's ways. Understanding is what is revelation. Think on these things, it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 7, and the Lord will give you understanding. We need to understand, that is the reason why, he opened the scriptures to them so that they can understand. They did not have understanding. So, through wisdom a house is built, by understanding it is established, and then verse, verse 3, verse 2, 4. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Now, what is this, Baba? Pleasant and precious riches is what? If you look at me, if you tell me what is pleasant and precious riches, what are the pleasant and precious riches? Let us see. Turn to First Peter chapter 2. Are you there? Huh. Verse 4. Coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also are what? Living stones. So what should you fill the house with? Who's precious? Jesus is precious. And he, he died for us. Therefore, who's precious? Souls are precious. All the riches of this world cannot compare to one soul. So, you build the house with wisdom, establish it with understanding and with knowledge. Go back to Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3 and 4. Now, 
the build the house with wisdom by understanding you have established it and verse 4 by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches you know what the riches are that's what he says you are our glory and our crown of our rejoicing who does, to whom does it say you you are the precious precious riches that we have procured for ourselves and we are filling the house of god with knowledge by establishing the house of god on wisdom and understanding and by knowledge bringing the children of god i mean by bringing souls into the kingdom of god and filling the house of god with his people that is true spiritual blessing when you are able to fill the house of god with souls he who is wise wins souls he who wins souls is wise he who turns Many people from unrighteousness to righteousness will shine as stars in the heaven. Those are the precious riches which we have, with which we have to fill the house of God, my dear brothers and sisters. Do we have souls that we have brought into the house of God? That's the reason why what we are doing. First, see, the point is a lot of people bring souls, but they don't have a house to put them in. That is the reason why Paul says, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and somebody builds upon it so that I can fill the house with knowledge. A lot of people have knowledge, but they don't have a place to go to. There's so much of evangelism going on, but there is no place. It's like I told you, you know, buying a lot of furniture and not having a house to put that furniture in. You have good curtains, beautiful curtains, beautiful sofa, beautiful dining table. Where is it lying? On the yard over there. Why? There is no place. Or there is no house. How do you start building a house? By buying the furniture or building the house first? You see, that is the reason why it says, by wisdom a house is built, by understanding it is established, and then by knowledge the houses are the houses filled by all kinds of precious and pleasant riches. So that is a third blessing. First blessing is what? Be fruitful. Second blessing is what? Multiply. Third, fill. Fourth, subdue. Kya baat hai? What should we subdue, Baba? First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. <laughs> what should we subdue? <laughs> Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 9 verse 27. But I discipline my body and I bring it into Adi, subjection. Mana body ni subdue yes call manam. Mana dehan ni, mana vedhava sariran ni. Okay. Literally, that is a very, 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 I mean, it could be a little slangish, but it's not a bad word. Okay, I don't misunderstand. It's a very, very important thing. This body, is not your friend. That's the reason why eat less, sleep less, study more. Isn't it interesting during exams, my uh, our parents don't give us too much of food? Why? Because there's a direct correlation between food and mind. The entire resources of your brain are concentrated on your belly. That's exactly the reason why you fall asleep. Why? Why are you not active? Why are you not able to co- concentrate on your on your studies? Because especially if you eat high protein diet, like a lion, you will sleep for 18 hours because it will take a lot of time to digest it. So much of activity and enzymes 
अरे तू सो जा रहे लीव मी अलोन द बॉडी विल से यू स्लीप यू फॉलो आई नीड द बॉडी आई नीड टू डाइजेस्ट दिस फूड दिस हाई प्रोटीन डाइट दैट यू गिवन टू मी आई हैव डाइजेस्ट इट सब ड्यू वॉट योर बॉडी discipline my body and bring it into subjection lest having preached to others i myself i should be disqualified that is the reason why paul is saying baba this body this body is not my friend this is what is called a body of sin okay the body which was used to sin which was driven by sin by the lusts of the flesh it enjoys sleep consistently think about it you wake up every day in the morning consistently for for one week you know how much you will struggle in your body to get up early you have to sleep early right all these things you have to do that means there's a tremendous amount of discipline and order that you have to bring into your life in order for that to happen okay body ni subdue cheskodam aatalu kaadu it's not an easy thing because if you have fruit if you have multiplied if you have filled but if you are not able to subdue your body you lose everything everything is lost that's what he's saying i myself will be disqualified if i don't subdue so therefore it says in galatians chapter 5 verse 24 and those who are christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires oh you have to oh, crucify and you know it's not a pleasant thing crucify and kaadu okay it's not your crucify is not a very pleasant thing no oh pain jada pain ho raha kya no 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 they take the thing and nail it this simply i mean it's very very painful it's a painful thing to but we have to if we want to subdue otherwise that is not true spiritual blessing okay and then again colossians chapter colossians chapter 3 <coughs> i like this if you have the niv if you don't mind colossians colossians chapter 3 verses 1 to uh 4 5 since then you have been raised with christ set your hearts on things above where christ is seated at the right hand of god set your minds on things above and not on earthly things i like that set your hearts set your minds okay and verse for you died and your life is now hidden with christ in god when christ who is also your life appears then you will also appear him in glory therefore put to death therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature kj will use over put to death every earthy 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 thing okay sexual immorality impurity lust evil desires greed which is idolatry you see that covetousness huge idolatry and that is the reason why it says in first corinthians chapter 10 flee what idolatry flee youthfulness we looked at that flee youthfulness flee idolatry don't just resist the flesh put the flesh to death and resist the devil and he will flee so we have first be fruitful multiply fill subdue fourth four things fifth one have dominion are that is fired up thing no what we call as reign what should you reign over let me just you have to reign over sin 
You have to subdue your body. You have to reign over sin. Okay. Dominion, how do you have, that's what, that, that's what it's saying, uh, uh, Romans chapter 5 verse 14. 14, 17 and 20, okay? 14, 17 and 20. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Even over those who had sinned according to the, who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who was a type of whom who was to come. What was reigning? Death reigned. Now what should we reign? Verse 17 now. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life. Through Jesus Christ. That means you are not afraid of death anymore. Death has been defeated. Okay. 520. Moreover the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that was 21. So that was 21. So that as sin reigned in death, so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So what should you reign over? Through grace, in righteousness, over sin. And finally, if you reign over sin, Luke's gospel, chapter 10, verse 17 to, 9, 17 to 20. <clears throat> then the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. <laughs> and then he said, he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you what? Authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. And over all the power of the enemy. You see, what, what has God given us? He has given us authority over the power. You see, he has given us exosia over the dunamis of the enemy. And nothing by any, by any means shall hurt you. But, verse 20, nevertheless do not rejoice in this, that your spirits are subject, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So what is that? You have dominion. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth will be lost in heaven. Why? Because I have given you the what? The keys. The keys. To whom? To the church. The authority. The authority. To reign over the powers of darkness. The powers of darkness will not. No weapon formed against us will prosper. And it says, upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against the armies of God. Okay, upon, Against the church of the living God. You will tread upon the lion and the adder. The young lion and the dragon you shall trample under your foot. Okay. So these are the five. Dimensions of genuine, true, spiritual blessing. What is that first? Fruit. And in first fru- in fruit, we looked at five at least. Fruit of repentance, fruit of confessing your name. In the name, we looked at four at least. What was that? The fruit of this fact that we confess that he is the God who sees, he is the God who provides, he is the God who fights my battles, and he is the God who is my righteousness. My justification comes from him and him alone. Okay. So we have fruit of repentance, fruit of lips giving thanks, then fruit of discipline, fruit of right, and fruit of the spirit. Five. And then we also said we have to multiply. What should we multiply? Multiply in mercy, multiply in grace, multiply in love, multiply in peace. And then we said fill. (laughs) What is filling? Establishing the house on wisdom. Okay, building the house on wisdom. That's what it says. Wisdom has built its house. It has hewn her seven pillars. You know what the seven pillars of wisdom are? Turn to James chapter 3. You can see that. 
verse 17 and 18. Actually, 17 is enough. The wisdom that is from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Seven. Seven things. Seven pillars of wisdom. Build this house on this, on purity, on peaceableness, on being gentle, on being subjective. Subjection, I mean, this is basically subjection to authority. You have, these, these, th- these principles keep com- coming over and over and over again. I, I talked about it so many years back in one of our studies. We'll, maybe if time permits, we can see that in more detail. So, the wisdom, a house is built on wisdom. By understanding it is established. By knowledge, you fill it up with all kinds of precious riches. So, you need wisdom knowledge and understanding so that you can fill the house with riches. And what is that? How do you get this wisdom, knowledge and understanding? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. If you have these three, then you are able to fill the house with riches. And what are riches? Souls for God's kingdom. He who wins souls is wise. And how does he win souls? With knowledge. You know. You know your word and you know at least his stand in some sense. And you have authority to speak into, into situation. That is the reason why he says, Sanctify the Lord Jesus among you in your heart and be ready to give an answer to those who are asking for the reason for the hope which is in you. But do that with what? Gentleness and with fear. Okay? Yeah, yes, exactly. And with do, do, uh, do with meekness and with fear. Alright? First Peter chapter 3, verse 15. So, you fill... And then you subdue. What do you subdue? Your body. Okay. Your flesh has to be crucified. And fifth, you have dominion. You reign. Okay. Uh, this is blessing. And people are after blessing, but they don't understand what true blessing is, unfortunately. So today we had an understanding of what true blessing. And this, these are things which I learned from different, different men of God. Okay. This is not just my own. Lots of people have heard and listened to and what I've given you is what I received, not just from the Lord, from other men of God too. <laughs> okay, let's pray now this morning. Father, we just thank you, Father, for this day. Thank you, Father, for speaking to our hearts and, Lord, teaching us so many truths. And I pray, Father, this will just not be head knowledge that you are able to make it life. Thank you, we praise you. For in Jesus' name, Amen.